One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast and uh, tonight I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about uh, approaches to looking at um, the the empire building of Nazi Germany, fascist Italy and imperial Japan um, and the relationship between the economic crisis of the Great Depression and the uh, desire for expansionism um, and this kind of deep-seated resentment of these three kind of later imperial powers at the uh, ability of Great Britain and to some degree, to some lesser degree France uh, to become um, kind of global powers as a result of kind of imperial acquisition. So we're looking again at the brilliant, brilliant book uh, Blood and Ruins by Richard Overy, which is a fantastic kind of treatise on a period he calls the Great Imperial War, which he says ran from 1931 to 45. Okay, so he begins by talking about the the Manchurian Railway incident in uh, 1931, which was the, the, the pretext for the Japanese invasion of Manchuria. 
Um, in the uh, Asahi newspaper in uh, Osaka, uh, the headline was, In an act of outrageous violence, Chinese soldiers blew up a section of the Mantetsu track located in north wing, uh, the northwest of, of the Betiang uh, military base and attacked our railway guards. Our guards immediately returned fire and mobilised the artillery to shell Betiang. Uh, our forces are now in occupation of the, uh, uh, occupy a section of the base. Richard Overy writes, This front page article in the popular daily uh, newspaper Asahi presented the Japanese public with an account of Chinese perfidy that became embedded in Japanese popular perception of who was to blame for the onset of the subsequent Japanese invasion and occupation of the whole of the northern Chinese province of Manchuria. It was a travesty of the truth. A group of Japanese engineers from the Kwantung Army, stationed in Manchuria to protect the Empire's economic interests in the region, planted explosives early on the morning of the 18th of September 1931 as a flimsy excuse to begin a programme of military expansion into China that was not to end until 1945. It was a small incident in global terms, but its ramifications were much larger. It was the point in the depths of the world economic crisis when the first step was taken to create a new imperial and economic order by violence. The shots at the Beijing uh, base signalled the onset of what was to become in the 1930s a new imperial age. So this is an important point. Uh, if we look at the succession of crises throughout the 1930s, beginning with Japan in Manchuria, uh, and then the uh, div- the gradual uh, dismemberment of the Treaty of Versailles by uh, uh, Hitler, uh, Mussolini's invasion of Abyssinia in uh, 1935. And the uh, grad and then Japan's uh, encroachment in, in, into China in, in 1937. What we can see is the this attempt to solve the crises of the uh, of the uh, Great Depression using a manner that dictators understand: brute force and violence. Hitler, no economist, basically. His view on how one grows an economy is through conquest. Um, that uh, economic problems can be um, withstood by the general populace for a period of time, and eventually you grow your economy by seizing another res- group of uh, resources of another ethnic group, um, an inferior one in the eyes of Hitler. Uh, thus, you're really fulfilling nature's destiny that the the strong shall oppress the weak. The circumstances of what the Japanese government came to turn as the Manchurian incident were shaped by the wider global crisis and the desperate efforts in Japan to find some solution to the mounting poverty and economic isolation. The Kwantung Army, which took its name from the Japanese concession on the Chinese Manchurian coast, known as the Kwantung Least Territory, had been plotting for some years to extend the Japanese Empire into mainland China. The Kwantung Army oper- operated quite as a law unto itself. Um, it was um, situated, obviously, a long way from the Japanese home islands and was able to take autonomous decisions based around uh, a racist expansionist ideology not that was not always shared by Japan's civilian government. But as we've looked at previously, when, um, for example, Prince Konoi becomes the Japanese Prime Minister, he has a great deal of sympathy 
for their goals. Provoked by the scale of economic crisis, writes Richard Overy, and mindful of the persistent threat of Chinese nationalism, the army commanders finally decided to act independently of Tokyo. After Japanese soldiers had themselves blown up the short section of the Japanese-owned South Manchurian Railway, they stormed the local Chinese uh, garrison at the port of Mukden. They captured the rest of the town and in a carefully planned assault fanned out from the least territory, first seizing the areas around the main railway network and then driving 330,000 ill-equipped forces of the local Chinese warlord Zhang Zueliang um, out of southern and central regions of Manchuria, completing the occupation of the province by early 1932. The army deployed 150,000 men and for the loss of around 3,000 dead, conquered an area almost the size of Europe. Despite the flagrant breach of discipline, the Japanese Showa Emperor Hirohito approved the action two days later. Almost overnight, the Japanese Empire was transformed in size and wealth. So, in the view of the Kwantung army, they had solved Japan's uh, main problem. It's uh, the intense poverty that parts of Japan suffered as a result of the Great Depression by rapid, ruthless expansionism, um, in facilitated by racial ideas of superiority over the Chinese. It is interesting to see how Emperor Hirohito, um, initially unaware of the plans, then uncertain about them, when presented with the success of them, almost falls behind the army and gives it his blessing. And when you look at the, the kind of the relationship between the army and the emperor throughout the war, um, so much so that at the end of the war, uh, some of the uh, the army officers stage a coup to try to liberate the emperor from his decision to um, declare that the war is over and, and seek a peace with America. Um, so there, there's some very complicated power dynamics there uh, and a certain sense of um, Japanese militarism um, providing the sorts of solutions that I suppose J- Japanese militarists believe that they had provided since the Meiji Restoration. The Manchuria incident did not directly cause the world war that broke out eight years later, but it did inaugurate a decade of renewed imperial expansion to follow on uh, from the new imperialism of the pre-1914 world and the imperial settlement at the end of the Great War. So again, Richard Overy refers to this period of the the 1880s and the 1890s, the kind of the scramble for Africa and this less well-defined scramble for China. And also the the other key uh, moment of imperial expansion by Britain and France, the outcome of the Paris Peace Conference, where the British Empire um, is at its largest size in 1919, when territories such as Mesopotamia uh, and Transjordan and Palestine and uh, parts of East Africa are uh, handed over to Great Britain. Uh, And France has this kind of uh, increase as well. Um, The uh, Italians are suitably kind of resentful and angry seeing the spoils that Great Britain has uh, has eyed up. So the three states that eventually defined the new imperialism, Italy, Germany and Japan, began with a definite plan or blueprint for expansion. But each acted opportunistically 
in established spheres of interest, no, um, nor did they concert, uh, concert their imperialism, though they observed each other's achievements closely and drew courage from each other's successes. Even though leaders in all three states hoped that a more general war might be avoided the moment, um, uh, uh, for the moment while their imperial projects were completed, the instabilities provoked by these three separate programmes fueled a drive to global war that opened up between 1939 and 41. One of the great questions um, that is posed about the Axis powers in the Second World War is precisely why they did not coordinate their imperial projects. Perhaps it is because uh, the the very nature of um, the um, nationalist and xenophobic and um, fascistic uh, expansion of territory uh, meant that they were adhering to very particular national narratives. Uh, Hitler uh, had no interest in exploring, uh, conversing with Japan or, or Italy when he eyed the carve-up of Poland. In fact, the conversations that he has are with Stalin. Um, the idea, you know, that there's, he has very specific ideas about Poland, that this is a country that has no right to exist, that its, that its peoples are essentially squatting on German land and it's an invented country. Uh, it's interesting how many of the, the, the narratives about Ukraine that are circulating on the far right at the moment um, between uh, you know American uh, shock uh, American Fox News presenters and uh, Putin loyalists say essentially the same thing about Ukraine is it is a made-up country that has no intrinsic right to exist which of course that's not true the um, the, the disconnect between uh, Germany and Japan and, and Italy uh, meant that not only was imperial expansion not coordinated, but obviously war aims during the actual conflict aren't coordinated uh, either in, in any meaningful way. There's no kind of equivalent of the uh, Allied wartime conferences. So Richard Overy writes, The critical factor for Japan, Italy and Germany was territory control of a territory exercised in a variety of formal and informal ways lay at the heart of empire. The model of this principle of territoriality was the 40 years of violent territorial expansion and pacification that preceded the 1930s and was in some cases still going on. Indeed, it was only in this longer context that the decisions taken in Rome, uh, Tokyo or Berlin uh, to wage local wars of aggression make historical sense. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The discourses of race and space that had supported empire since the late 19th century had lost none of their explanatory force for this gen- for the generation that came to power in the 1930s. Through this form of imperial, though this form of imperialism appears in retrospect anachronistic, even delusional, the paradigm of empire at the time seemed familiar and near. It's um, no um, secret that Hitler looked to other empires for his inspiration. He saw uh, British control of India and the American um, annihilation of the Great Plains Indians as an example of, firstly, how a small group of settlers can control a large population and also justification for the uh, removals of uh, inferior peoples uh, and the exploitation of the land that they once in, inhabited. Um, the uh, reason for uh, Japan's modernization was, uh, from the 1860s onwards, a reaction to European imperialism in Asia. But the belief that Japan could lead um, a federation of Asian states towards emancipation this was up the, the kind of the, the, the more liberal end of uh, Japanese uh, modernization politics in the 19th and 20th centuries. This was supplanted by uh, more, more um, nationalistic and xenophobic and racially um, superior or, or um, uh, uh, racial superiority ideas um, in Japan. Um, by the early 20th century, suggesting that Japan was not there to lead a federation of, uh, of equals, but was to there to imperially conquer Asia in, in the way, in a far more all-encompassing way than the British and the French and the Dutch had ever achieved, uh, and that this would be, and, and that Japan would become master of Asia um, would be able then to kind of pivot world history eastwards uh, and lead Asia um, and uh, colonize uh, everywhere from China to Indochina and Burma um, all the way to uh, the Pacific. Richard Overy writes. The results of the redistribution of territory in 1919-23, really the uh, Treaty of Versailles and the subsequent treaties of Severus and Lausanne, um, or the consequences of the economic catastrophe after 1929, um, and the Treaty of Trianon, of course, uh, only served to strengthen rather than weaken the belief that the seizure of more territory and resources was an indispensable means to save the nation, build a stronger economy and satisfy the needs of a superior culture. 
so it for uh, in, in all three countries um, the ideas around natalism growing populations um, and expanding peoples um, that uh, around having a kind of like a a vital and martial people who were uh, hungry for more uh, and couldn't be contained in their own behind their own borders um, and needed the right to expand and to uh, seize more territory. Uh, this becomes the, the argument here becomes you know if we, if we don't do this then the people themselves are are done for uh, that we need to in order to preserve the race we we need to to grow um, and these were ideas that were not exclusive to fascists these were ideas um, the the sort of kind of social Darwinist and eugenicist ideas were largely accepted and popular. Uh, in all sorts of uh, seemingly uh, liberal non-fascist societies countries like Britain and France and America that had all um, been the beneficiaries of colonialism um, there were members of the intelligentsia and the political class and you know, um, uh, ordinary citizens who looked at these sorts of ideas and said well these are self-evidently true and so this, this is why uh, that you know for a great many people uh, in the Western world much of Hitler's rhetoric before the Second World War seems to be not entirely uh, unreasonable uh, and the idea that the country Germany had been particularly badly treated and badly penalized and was allowed a chance to reclaim what was was rightfully rightfully belonged to it Japanese, Italian and German leaders was, were by no means the only ones to believe that the era of empire was not yet over. Despite all the evidence that nationalist ambitions, rising economic costs and persistence in security marked the gradual decay of the global imperial project. Rather than drawing the obvious lesson that traditional imperialism was a fading enterprise, they argued that what they needed was more of it, marked with their own particular character. The other factors usually emphasised in analysing the origins of the Second World War arms races, diplomatic crises, ideological conflict were effects of a new wave of empire building, not causes. The major states in the League of Nations might, perhaps with reluctance, have lived with ideolo the ideological difference or increased uh, increases in military spending um, if that was all that was, that was dividing them. The factor that the, the fact that the, the factor that the major imperial states, like France and Britain, could not accept was the new wave of empire building in its raw territorial sense was now incompatible with their own view of empire and the new language of internationalism they had woven around it. So after the First World War, uh, after the Treaty of Versailles and uh, after the Paris Peace Conference and the Treaty of Versailles, the establishment of the League of Nations and the mandate system and the other systems of kind of rules-based uh, international relations were very, very helpful to the British and the French. Um, not, not so much America as America had uh, wasn't particularly an isolationist country, contrary to popular belief, but had um, um, had uh, become a, a unilateralist in, in world affairs, as opposed to engaging in multilateral organisations. And uh, it was specialised in the 1920s of 
creating bilateral treaties that, that benefited America by and large. But the, the British and the French um, were not part of a, uh, a benign world order dedicated to peace. They saw opportunities in the League of Nations to benefit and stabilise their empires, which have come under immense strain as a result of the First World War and now faced the um, challenges of nationalism in Africa and Asia uh, and the Middle East. Um, and so the problem for the, the British and the French when they saw challenges such as Mussolini's invasion of Abyssinia was how to convey, how to contain a new and aggressive sort of imperialism. As Richard Overy points out, the domestic elites in uh, Britain and France could have lived with Nazism and they could have lived with Italian fascism and Japanese imperialism as long as their own empires didn't come under threat. The, the great turning point uh, amongst the British ruling classes uh, uh, away from um, potential fascist sympathies Hitler was, of course, looking to um, uh, deal with uh, the uh, organised left and the, uh, the socialist and communist parties that, that Europe and indeed Britain's ruling classes feared and despised. So he had advantages there. The moment that he falls out of favour is when he presents a threat to the British Empire and when um, the uh, a new, more aggressive wave of imperialism uh, threatens um, British and French um, imperial possessions around the world. France is always a slight different case because um, France eyed Germany with immense suspicion and caution as a result of the experience of uh, two invasions from 1870 onwards. Um, and so French security was a, um, a far greater, uh, a, a far greater part of, of France's concerns. And British security finally um, becomes a, a, an issue after sort of 1935, 1936, when it suddenly becomes abundantly clear that the next war will be fought from the air uh, against highly populated cities. Anyway, um, I'm going to look more um, over, well, over a long, long period of time at Blood and Ruins. It's an amazing book. I do urge you all to get it. Uh, and in the meantime, you can come and find me at www.explaininghistory.org and you can find us at the Explaining History Facebook group um, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff as well but those are the main portals and um, we always uh, accept kindly donations on Patreon uh, so if you can sponsor the podcast and keep us going that's grand. Thanks very much all the best and I'll catch you on the next episode when we're going to talk uh, about Ireland as I keep promising all the best bye bye One that's mirrored in the uh, huge problems uh, in the U.S. healthcare sector and the difficulty that uh, the seemingly intractable um, problem of uh, attempts to uh, create uh, a free at the point of use healthcare service, which um, uh, most of the modern countries, in some way, shape, or form, uh, enjoy. Um, the implications for the, the rest of the world, as I said, are, are, are stark. Um, the, uh, the 
organizations and uh, wealthy backers who have uh, managed to overturn Roe versus Wade um, will now be immensely emboldened. Perhaps they won't succeed in in Europe, but they will try. You know, of that of that you must be absolutely certain. Um, and wherever you are, if you're not in the US, watch the media that you consume and look for the messages that will no doubt be kind of uh, dropped into newspaper columns and, and leaders in here and uh, and in uh, op-eds in TV, on TV shows and radio and podcasts because there, there will be an attempt to make the argument first for um, the curbing and reduction of abortion rights and then perhaps an, an outright ban um, similar to Roe versus Wade. Um, these things often tend, tend to follow. Um, and also, this might be a, a huge and important moment for um, the uh, women's movement uh, inside America uh, and, and beyond. Um, it's difficult to say at the moment. There has been, um, doesn't seem to have been the kind of spontaneous mass organising that happened when Trump was uh, first elected in uh, 2016. But give it time, give it time. Uh, it's only been a, a day or two and, and no doubt there is a, a flurry of activity uh, amongst the uh, women's movements in America um, to organise some form of uh, some form of resistance. Um, okay, well, listen, I'm going to leave the update there. Um, we're going to be coming back to that hopefully later in the week. Apologies, I've done fewer updates this week because, again, I've been suffering from long COVID and it's, it's been kind of tiring. But, you know, I'll get over that. Thanks very much, everybody. I hope you find this useful and we'll be getting back to some regular history in a moment. All the best. Thanks. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.